0: It's good to see you this morning. Be here with you. You should be a little more rested this morning, right? Got an extra hour, and uh, I find myself when I know I have extra hour, I just go to bed later. Did you do that? Yes. I don't know why I do that. I mean, got an extra hour, and then I waste it. But uh, it's good to see you here in the early service today. Take your copy of God's Word, and I pray you have a copy of God's Word with you, and uh, the paper copy or on your phone or some device, and go to Hebrews chapter seven verse 23. On Sunday mornings we're in a series through the book of Hebrews. Uh, If you've been here for that series any length of time you've discovered what a wonderful book this is, what a a wonderful study it is. The whole context to kind of reset the context to jump into the middle of this chapter. The writer throughout this book builds an argument uh, to his Hebrew Christian brothers and sisters in Christ. These Jews who We call today Messianic Jews, they had put their faith in Jesus Christ and they were saved. They were under tremendous conflict and pressure to go back to Judaism. And so the writer has carefully built an argument saying there's nothing to go back to. Jesus is the fulfillment of all you knew under Judaism, of all you knew in the past. And he has built a case and continues to build the case in the passage this morning that Jesus is now our perfect and eternal high priest, that we no longer need the uh, Levitical system and that they no longer needed the Levitical system. And let me just, by way of review, hit two key points that he's discussed up to this portion of the passage will help us launch into verse 23 in just a moment. Number one, you will remember that the writer said to them, and we talked about it last week in some detail, he said the Levitical priesthood is flawed. He said it was never meant to be a permanent way of salvation. It never was a way of salvation. In other words, the Levitical priesthood could not remove sin. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, the Bible says so. The blood of animals can never atone for sin, but just the practice itself, think about it for a moment. The high priest went in every year on the Day of Atonement, and what did he do? He offered an offering for himself to cover his own sins and then he offered an offering for the sin of the people and did the whole scapegoat thing that we explained and did all that now if that was sufficient if the efficacy of that offering was sufficient to remove sin then he wouldn't have to do it again the next year but every year what did the high priest have to do every year he had to do the same thing he had to come in give an offering for his sin give an offering for the people so the writer said it just makes perfect sense that God the Father revealed there would be a greater priesthood coming and that greater priesthood is in the person of Jesus Christ. Secondly, he said that this greater priesthood, this greater priesthood in Jesus Christ is the reason for our security and salvation. Jesus did what the Old Testament Levitical system couldn't do. His offering was one offering, perfect for all time. His office is an eternal office as our high priest. And so there are no more offerings. Sometimes Christians will say to me, well, pastor, how do I know that I'm eternally saved? Well, the word of God says you are, and that should be enough. But again, look at the process. The offering of Jesus Christ never has to be repeated again. Why? Because when he died for sin, he took it away forever, as far as the east is from the west, to never be brought up again. So you can't lose a forever salvation. You can't lose what God gave you to have forever. Secondly, Jesus brought in a better covenant. The Old Testament Levitical system was under what's called a conditional covenant. And we talked about this last week in detail, so I'll just mention it to introduce our passage today. Under the Old Testament system, the people, Israel, were responsible for obeying the law. They were responsible for doing all of the stuff you find in the law, bringing the offerings. Twice a day, the sacrifices were made. The priesthood working every day, every day, every day. What was the problem with the Levitical system? Not that any system God set up is imperfect. Where's the problem? Us. The flesh. Our flesh is weak. And sinful, and there's no possible way we can keep the law and the power of the flesh. There's no possible way we can obey God. What did God do? Jesus came, died on the cross, brought what's called an unconditional covenant. I like the unconditional covenant better. You know why? Because Jesus did everything. And my only part in coming to be saved was faith. Your only part in coming to be saved is faith. Confess our sin to God. Lord, you're right, I'm wrong. God, you're holy, I'm sinful. And I need to be saved and I put my faith in Jesus and ask you to forgive me and save my soul. And when we do that, God does all the work. Jesus did all the work. He forgives our sin, pardons us. In fact we talked about this verse last week, verse 22. By so much more Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. A surety is a guarantor. One who guarantees the better covenant. We have a better covenant. and So the writer has I know it seems tedious, almost scholastic like school, but you need to understand the writer was very particular in the leading of the Holy Spirit to spell out for these Christians exactly how secure they were in Christ and there was nothing to go back to. Now with that in mind, he picks up his argument speaking of Jesus as being our, our forever high priest and that really is his focus beginning of verse 23. Look at it with me. Also there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. Verse 24 But he, Jesus, because he, Jesus, continues forever has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. What a marvelous passage of verses. Let's think about what the writer's saying there. He said, number one, the system that the Levitical system to moving to the priesthood of Christ means you've moved from the many to the one. In the Levitical system, again, another flaw is the weakness of our flesh. And part of the weakness of our flesh is we all die. And so as those priests came generation after generation, Thousands of priests serving in the temple over the years. Thousands, generation after generation. Why do they always need a new priest? Because the one before them got old and died. And so they had these new priests for hundreds of years. The high priest had to be replaced. The high priest would come. The high priest would go. Now what's the problem with that system? What's the inherent weakness in that system? Well, you get a new high priest every so many years. You get a new priest every so many years. And here's the problem, two of them. There were times in the history of Israel, particularly in captivity, when there was a vacancy in the priesthood. Nobody was representing the people. Nobody was making offerings for them. Nobody was representing them to God. What a terrible place to be in. What a terrible condition to be in that you can't approach God because there's nobody, listen, to speak on your behalf. There's nobody to take up the cause for you. Nobody to be your advocate. So there were vacancies. And not only were there vacancies, but some of those priests were knuckleheads. (laughs) That's not a theological term, it's just real. Samuel's boys, Joel and Abijah. Samuel, now we know Samuel, great priest, prophet of God. We think, man, what a great guy. His sons were knuckleheads. They go into the, the Bible says they went into the priesthood, followed their dad into the priesthood, and they embezzled and robbed the people. So we have this this system of human priests, and some of them aren't worthy of the office. So do you see the weakness in the system? That's what the writer's saying. We had this system where these men are dying and they're imperfect. Oh, but contrast that to Jesus. Jesus came. He's the perfect, sinless Savior. He died on the cross, made the one offering for us, ascended back to heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. Listen, here's the good news. As a child of God, you are never for one second without an advocate before the Father. Ever. Why? Because Jesus is always making intercession for us. Always on our behalf. Always for us. Jesus never messes up the representative thing. Jesus never messes up being our high priest. He always does that perfectly and eternally. Aren't you glad Aren't you glad that Jesus is always available when you need Him? Aren't you glad that there's never a time in your life when there's a vacancy in the high priesthood of Jesus Christ? Never a time when you need to pray. Never a time when your heart's broken. Never a time when you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and something's heavy on your heart and you just have to pray Jesus is there ushering you into the Father so that you can talk to Him. That's good stuff. So the writer saying to his Hebrew Christian brothers and sisters look, don't look back at that failed system look at Jesus who's the perfecter of the system of the priesthood who's our high priest forever. And then this phrase that we talked about a little bit Friday night, and by the way that was a a fun time, the music. He says something really important here. He says Jesus is able to save to the uttermost. The Levitical system couldn't say that. What does it mean to save to the uttermost? Look at verse 25 again. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Pendelees is the word, and it, it, depending on the context, means one of two things it means completeness in, in, in a function, and it means completeness in time. It means the fulfillment in time. Jesus is both of those. Jesus completed our salvation perfectly. Nothing left to be finished. Levitical priesthood can never say that. And in time, Jesus saved us for all time. In other words, there's no no limit. No one dies. There's no end to it. There's no vacancies. There's no inadequacies. Jesus is, is perfect always. Let me give you three applications of that that I just touched on when I spoke Friday night for a minute that are really powerful for us. Number one, Jesus saves in all times. Jesus saves in all times. Here's what that means. From the time Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, God was providing a way for us to be saved. God was pointing to Jesus Christ. He even said it right there in the beginning. You know, uh, he, one's going to come and he's going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush Satan's head. So the, re- the revelation of Jesus' coming was right in the Garden of Eden. The offer of God, our creator, the God of the universe, the sovereign one, the eternal God, the offer from the Garden of Eden to save us has been a valid offer. And God's plan's been a valid plan from the beginning. And the point in this is Jesus saves the uttermost. You can be saved today, right now. The offer of God is valid for any man or woman, boy or girl, young person who recognizes that they're a sinner and lost and needs a savior. They can be saved now, today. That offer's good. And it's good until God brings time to an end. It's good unless you die without Jesus Christ then the offer is expired. But the offer is good today if you're under the hearing of my voice online or in this place and you've never been saved you need to come to God the Father through Jesus Christ and be forgiven of your sin. That's what you need. Your eternal soul hangs in the balance. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, first two verses. Listen to this. We then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Paul pled with them, don't receive the grace of God, this offer of God. Don't receive it in vain. Don't receive it and waste the opportunity. Listen to what else he said. For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Jesus saves in all times good times, bad times, he saves in all times times of prosperity times of struggle times when you think you got it all together times when you don't think you got it all together Jesus saves in all times the offer of God is valid, don't waste the opportunity number two not only does Jesus save in all times but he saves in all cases in all cases I have had people say to me over the years pastor I don't think God will save me because you don't know what I've done and they're genuine when they say that. They are convicted over the depravity of their sin and they understand where they are and they just say, you know, God is a good God and I have, I have gone over the line. I have sinned so much that God won't save me. Well, I have good news for you if you think that's true. Jesus Christ saves in all cases. In fact, in fact, Jesus specializes in saving the worst of us. Amen. He's not, look, listen, Jesus said the physician doesn't come to heal those who, who don't need a physician. He said, I come to heal the ones who are broken and sick. And he's talking about sin. He's talking about spiritually. So if you say to yourself, man, I am, I am out there. I am depraved in my sin. I've done the worst of the worst. I'm the worst there is. You're just the one Jesus is looking for. You're just the one that he wants to save. So I have good news for you. Jesus saves in, in all cases, The Apostle Paul, you heard of him. The Apostle Paul didn't think much of himself either. Listen to what he said to Timothy. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners and he said, of who I'm the chief. Why would Paul say that? Well, before he got saved, you know what he did? He ran around persecuting the church, arresting people, taking them to jail, persecuting them for believing in Jesus and Jesus saved him he said, I'm the last one that deserves to be saved. I've got good news for you. Jesus saves in every case. And then finally, because Jesus saves the uttermost, he saves in all circumstances, in all circumstances. I've had people say this to me. Pastor, I know I need to get saved. I know I need to come to Jesus. I know I'm lost. But I've got to clean myself up a little bit First got to get rid of this thing, get rid of that thing, and I need, to, I need to get my life in order. That's what I hear. I need to get my life in order. And I'm not sure what that means most of the time, get your life in order. It is what it is, but I got news for you. Jesus don't want you to clean yourself up. He'll take care of that. If you come to Jesus, he'll save you in the circumstance that you're in right now, and he'll change your circumstances. Now that's not health, wealth, and fame, Preaching is just true that if Jesus comes in and changes you on the inside, your outside is going to start to change. Your lifestyle is going to start to change because you become a new creation in Christ. So the good news is when Jesus saves the uttermost, he saves in every circumstance. You might think, man, I am I'm at the lowest point in life this morning. You might be watching online going, man, I am at the end of my rope. I'm hanging on to the knot at the end. Again, Jesus specializes in that. That's exactly where he wants you to be. You say, man, I'm closed in on every side by every stress. You got giants in your life, and these things are are overcoming you day by day, and they're wearing you out. Jesus will save you right where you are. You don't have to get rid of anything. You don't have to change anything because Jesus will change everything about you. Just come to him like you are. Just come as you are in the circumstances that you're in and let Jesus do. Hey, here it is. Jesus does all the heavy lifting and the saving thing, okay? Okay? All you have to do is be willing to come. All you, have to be, all you have to be willing to do is confess and put your faith in him and trust him. You know, there's one thing God wants from us more than anything. Well, I'll say two. Number one, he wants us to trust him. He wants us to trust him. And number two, he wants us to love him back. He wants us to return his love for us. You know how you return God's love? You trust him first. And when you trust him, and you find out how good he is, the love comes naturally. It comes as part of it. So wherever you are, here's the good news. Jesus saves to the uttermost. Right? In all times, in all conditions, in all circumstances, in all places. Okay? Now, he again begins to describe Jesus as our fitting high priest. Verses 26-28. Look at it with me. For such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. Who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. Verse 28. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness. But the word of the oath In other words, the word of God the Father, which came after the law, appoints the Son who has been perfected forever. Boy, that's a great passage as well. matter of fact, there's not a passage in Hebrews that isn't great. You discovered that already. Notice what he said. He said, number one, Jesus is a, a fitting high priest for us. What does that mean? It means it's exactly what we need. It means he is exactly what we need in the saving of our souls. He's exactly what we need in a high priest who not only saves us but represents us before the Father. I'm ever ever reminded that, and we've talked about this, that the Bible says Satan is an accuser of the brethren. In God's sovereign design, Satan still has access to heaven right now. And we read that in the book of Job. And the Bible says he's an accuser of the brethren, so In case you hadn't figured this out, Satan don't like you. He don't like you if you're saved. He doesn't like the fact that you're a child of God. He doesn't like the fact that you're a, a son or a daughter of God the Father. He doesn't like that you're in the Father's family. He doesn't like that you're part of the church. He doesn't like it if you share the gospel. He doesn't like it if you live for Jesus. He doesn't like it if you obey God's word. He doesn't like it that you love God. And he takes every opportunity to trip you up. You probably figured that out by now. He takes every opportunity in a world system to cause you heartache. He takes every opportunity to bring persecution and difficulty in your life just because you're a child of God. But we have a fitting high priest. That means we have one who is willing and one who is qualified to save us and keep us. And when Satan accuses you or me before the Father and don't we give him plenty of ammunition... When he accuses us before the Father, Jesus is our advocate and he speaks for us and he stands on our behalf and he represents us to the Father and assures the Father that we've been forgiven, that he saved us, that that we're in the family. And the Bible says that if you're a child of God, you really are a love gift from the Father to the Son and the Son back to the Father. The Father gave you to the Son, and the Son saved you and gave you back to the Father. So you're in in a love sandwich between God the Father and God the Son, okay? And that's what you are. And so so Jesus is a fitting high priest for us. He's just what we needed. He meets our, our need. I'll tell you what else it means that Jesus is a fitting high priest. It's exclusivity. There's no other way. Listen to me. There is absolutely, positively, No other way to be saved than by faith in Jesus Christ. If you want to go to heaven when you die, if you want to have your sin properly dealt with, and you want to have a relationship with the God who created you, you're going to do it in Jesus or you aren't going. Period. They say, man, that's pretty narrow-minded. No, it's just true. And you know, truth is kind of exclusive, isn't it? I use this illustration all the time when I was in school the teacher used a red pen that must be what's wrong with me she injured my psyche with a red pen and she used that thing liberally if I put anything on my paper when it came to 2 plus 2 if I didn't write 4 on there you know what happened she put red all, she looked bled on that thing and 3.9 wouldn't do it and 4.1 wouldn't do it. Why? Just think about it now. Because truth, and math is pretty true, truth is exclusive. Two plus two is four, and it ain't anything else. Right? So when God Almighty says, you got a sin problem, and it didn't take a genius to look around and go, boy, do or don't I? Okay. And he says there's only one remedy for your sin problem and it's my son Jesus Christ who died on the cross paid for your sin and if you want to be forgiven you have to ask him to forgive you and put your faith in him and be willing to forsake your sin and if you do that I'll save you. That's pretty exclusive. Jesus said in John 14 6 what? I am the way I'm the truth and I'm the life. No man comes to the Father but what? by me. Take it or leave it, that's all I can say. You say, well that isn't nice. Well, you know, if you, if you won't trust God and you won't trust Jesus, then I can't help you. Right. Nobody can help you. But God wants to help you. So Jesus is the fitting one for us. He's the one that was perfect and is perfect. He's our high priest. You get what the writer's saying to his Jewish friends here? There's nowhere to go back to. Jesus is that fitting high priest there's nobody else to turn to. Then he describes Jesus, describes him in his fitness to be our high priest and I like it, verses 26 and 27. For such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners and has become higher than the heavens. Who does not need daily as as high priest to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people. For this he did once, for all, when he offered up himself. Holy osios. That's an interesting word. We often say God's holy. The Bible says you be holy because God's holy. So what's it asking us to do? What does that mean? Well, in its most basic definition, holiness means goodness before God. Not goodness as we measure goodness because our measurement of goodness is flawed. But goodness before God means perfection. Absolute perfection. Sinlessness. God is holiness. He is perfection. Jesus is God. Jesus was God incarnate. Both God and man at the same time. He brought holiness among humanity in human form. And walked around in goodness and purity that's acceptable to God the Father. He did that. In fact, we could even say this Jesus, in his humanity, was what man was supposed to be. Walked around without sin, walked around in perfect fellowship with the Father, perfect communion, holiness, righteousness, no impurities. Here's the point because Jesus is holy, in his humanity, he was acceptable to the Father, which made his offering acceptable to the Father, his sacrifice for us. So Jesus is our fitting high priest. Because He is holy, which is exactly what we needed. Watch this. It's in His holiness, not ours, that we have access to the Father. Amen. That's why we can pray and talk to the Father. Because understand this, without Jesus as our intercessor, without Jesus putting His holiness on us, you can't get within a thousand miles of the Father. You can't get close to the Father. Why? Because He's holy and He did not have anything to do with unholiness. Why do you think we needed a sacrificial system in the first place to restore man's access to God? Jesus is our fitting high priest because he's holy. Harmless means innocent. Achakos. It means there was no harm in Jesus. He never harmed anybody. Do you think Jesus had reason to harm people? He has reason to harm us, doesn't he? Every sin, the ways of the sin is death. The people spitting in his face and pulling out his beard and slapping him and, and mocking him. If you're a God, tell me who hit you. Jesus could have said, I know who you are and you'll be sorry. He could have said that, couldn't he? Could have said, this role right here is going to get reversed pretty soon and you're going to find yourself standing in front Jesus could have said that. Could have told, he did tell Pilate. He got as rough with Pilate as he got with anybody. He said, yeah, you, you think you're in charge, but you aren't doing anything my father won't let you do. I mean, Pilate's just too dense to understand. But the point is, he says, Jesus is our fitting high priest because he's, he's innocent. When, when, they, when they turned Jesus over to be crucified, they turned him over to the Romans, do you realize in three trials he was declared innocent? Three times among the Hebrews, they couldn't, they couldn't find him guilty. Three hearings before the Romans, each one of them said, I don't know why you got him here. And Pilate, it even says, Pilate knew they brought Jesus because they were jealous. And you know what Pilate ended up doing? said, I'm going to wash my hands of this deal. Got the water out and did the thing because this innocent man let his blood be on you. The, the, the highest legal authority representing the Romans of that day and that place said he was innocent and they killed him anyway. Political expediency I don't have time to get into that but that's why he did it. So Jesus is our fitting high priest. Why? Because he's innocent. No evil was found in him. Ever. You know what's amazing about that? And and we'll talk about it in a second Jesus came and took took on humanity completely. And he was as human as you and me, yet without sin. Why? Because he's holy and he's innocent. He has no sin. No evil in him. No, 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 no possibility. I happen to believe Jesus is impeccable. That's a theological word for meaning he couldn't sin. Okay. Doesn't mean he couldn't be tempted. He was tempted at all points like as you and I are, yet without sin. And Jesus' temptation was different from ours because he had no limit on it. And yet he still withstood it. So he was, he was our fitting high priest because there's an absence of evil in him. He's not guilty of anything. He never harmed anyone. In his whole ministry on the earth, he only did good for people. In fact, one time Jesus said to the religious leaders, if you're going to arrest me, what are you arresting me for? What, you, what, what evil thing have I done? And what he was saying to them is, all I've ever done is heal people and preach the truth and feed people that are hungry. And help those who, who need help. So what in the world is wrong with you guys if you want to have it in our valaketer today? is what he was saying to them. Innocent. Then he said he was he was uh, undefiled. Omiendos is an interesting word. It means undefiled. It means no stain. No, no blemish. No imperfection. That was important because in the Old Testament and Levitical system when they brought an offering, what did it have to be? Unblemished. No stain. No defilement. Or they couldn't bring it. In fact, one time God, uh, I don't remember which Old Testament prophet it was, God said to the Old Testament prophet, "said why don't you try to take all them animals that you bring to me and give them to the governor and see what he says? Because that bunch of rabble blame, blind stuff you bring and offer to me, you can't even pay your taxes with that. Why are you bringing it to me? So, what he's saying here, Jesus is our fitting high priest because he was undefiled. He was pure and holy, no imperfection in him. We need this kind of high priest. We need this kind of Savior because everything that Jesus was, we're not. Amen. Do you get that? Amen. Everything that he was, we're not. We're not holy, not even close. We're we're not harmless. I'm sure you've hurt somebody in life before. You've done something untoward to somebody. We're certainly not undefiled. That's why he's fitting for us, because everything that we're not, he is for us. And the good news is when we're saved, we are what he is because we're in him. Okay? so he's exactly what we needed and then very quickly separate from sinners he says in that passage he was as I said like us had all the temptations and sorrows that we have Jesus was tired, he slept in the back of the boat spent time in prayer, he was pressed upon attacked he was forsaken by his closest friends Jesus had a hard life here Difficult life, challenging life. And yet he was separate from sinners. He was pure and holy as he walked this earth. And then finally he said, made higher than the heavens. Man, I like that. Higher than the heavens. It speaks of his exaltation. The father was so pleased and is so pleased with what God the son did and being willing to come here and redeem us that he has exalted him to the highest place in heaven, the right hand of the throne in heaven. Paul said in Philippians chapter 2 beginning in verse 9 that God has exalted Jesus to a place of exaltation and he is at the right hand of the Father so that every knee will bow those on, in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth that every tongue will eventually confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I, I believe when it says every knee will bow it means every knee in heaven, on earth, under the earth that means one day Satan you know what he's going to have to do? you've got to get on his knees before Jesus, that one whom he's hated, that one whom he's persecuted his church, you know what he's going to have to confess? that Jesus is Lord boy I bet that'll taste bad when he does that, he ain't going to like that praise God, I'm going to get to stand there and watch it. I don't think, I shouldn't get off of that. I don't think in heaven, it'll be sinful to gloat. So we probably won't get to gloat, right? Because there won't be any sin in heaven. But uh, heaven will be a happy place. I'm going to be real happy when I see Satan have to bow before Jesus. How about that? We'll just call it happy. Okay. So that's our fitting high priest he He has done all that higher than the heavens, sitting at the at the place of honor in heaven now the offerings let me let me finish up with the offerings. The writer says here he's fitting for us because he's not like those other high priests because as we said, they had to go every year over and over and over and give the offerings He said Jesus didn't have to uh number one give a sin offering for himself before he went in to give the offering for our sin because he's the sinless high priest. He's the perfect high priest. He's God. He's holy and pure and and righteous. And so he didn't have to give an offering for himself. He is qualified to be the offering. And that's exactly what he did. He offered a sacrifice one time and for all, which leads to the second point. The writer said, those high priests had to go into the temple every year. They had to go in over and over and over and repeat the offering I want you to listen to this very carefully. Jesus made one sacrifice for all time. One sacrifice for all time. You don't have to be saved over and over and over and over and over again. You don't aren't lost today and saved tomorrow. If you truly come to Jesus and you get saved, his one offering for all time saves you for all time. Doesn't have to be repeated. You see, the fact is, if you could lose your salvation, it would have to be another sacrifice. If you could lose your salvation, somebody would have to come back and, and re-save you again. But we know that won't happen because there's only one who could do it, and he already did it, and there's no one else. Let me close with this. I don't, I don't know when we, we come together on Sunday mornings, I don't know who's watching online, and I, and I don't know, there's people in the balcony down here, and, and I don't know where you are in life. Maybe you say, well, I'm in one of those circumstances you were talking about earlier. Man, I'm surrounded with troubles on every side, and you know, life is falling apart, and I'm not really sure about my relationship with God. I've been in church all my life. I've been religious all my life, but there's just something missing. Well, can I say to you, if we could put all the religions of the world into one super religion, it couldn't save one person. It couldn't save one person. All the church denominations in the world can't save one person. What do, we, what do we read? Jesus is the only way. And I would say to you this morning, if you, if you can't look into your own heart, and only you and God know where you are spiritually, nobody else can see in your heart. If you can't say in your heart with absolute assurance, man, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ and I look forward to seeing his face one day when I die. If you can't say that with confidence, you need to examine your relationship with him. You need to examine where you are. I'm not trying to make you doubt your salvation. I heard an evangelist say one time, I'm going to swat everybody off the rock and the people that swim back, they're saved. Okay? Now what that means is no matter what somebody says, if you're saved, you know you're saved and it doesn't matter what anybody says. But there are people who struggle because you never really have a time in your life where you said to God, I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me. I put my faith in Jesus. God saved me. Maybe you've prayed a lot of prayers. God, help me out of this fix. God, help me this. Help me that. God, help me this. Help me that. Your greatest prayer would be, God, save my soul. That's what you ought to be concerned about. So maybe this morning after hearing this, we have a great high priest who is uh, the fitting high priest for you and me. He's just what we needed. If you don't know him this morning, if you've never been saved by faith in Jesus Christ, would you pray right now? Somebody watching me on the computer, online, on your phone, would you stop right now? Would you pray and ask Jesus to save your soul? Would you stop right now and say to him, God, I believe Jesus died on the cross and God, I want to be saved. Forgive me. Save my soul today. Would you do that? Let's pray. Father, what a tremendous passage. Lord, thank you Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming and being our great high priest, for dying for us, being the sacrifice, the very lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. And God, we can come now just by faith, an unconditional covenant. All all we're required to do is believe you, believe what you say about yourself and about us. And then God, to manifest that belief by asking, God, forgive me, save my soul. God, I trust you. God, there's a lot of things I don't understand. God, I trust you, though, and what I understand, I trust you no matter what. Forgive me, save me, Lord Jesus. God, if someone will call out to you, you'll save them. Father, maybe there's somebody here today and, and they're struggling, and they're not sure what to do. I pray right now, in this moment, they would cry out to you. Bless the invitation time, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as the music plays, as we sing. I'll be down front. You come. If I can help you, if I can pray with you, you come on the first verse have thine own
1: Amen. It is great to see you here today. I want to thank you for being here. Listen, just a few things I want to make sure you're caught up on. Wednesday, we have Lesson 11 in our life groups. If you're not connected to a life group, I want to encourage you to come out and be a part of a life group here at Oakleaf. We have the ladies group that meets 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and then we have our other groups that meet 630 on Wednesday evening. Come on out and be a part of that Wednesday night dinner this week. This will be the last Wednesday night dinner until we get into the new year. So please make sure you sign up for that if you're going to be here for that. November 8th, you might not be aware of it, but you can vote on November 8th, okay? Exercise your civic duty, okay? As a believer in Jesus Christ, vote the Word of God, amen, and vote often. All right. Annual meeting for the Black Creek Baptist Association will be at First Baptist Church Middleburg. That will be 6 o'clock on November 8th, that evening. So if you're wondering what are you going to do while you're waiting for the votes to be counted, come to the annual meeting at First Baptist Middleburg, 6 o'clock. We'll be done by 8. Then you can go home and you can watch all the news stuff come in about what the voting's all about. You have something to do to keep your mind off of that while you're over at the annual meeting. Tommy Green will be preaching. We'll have great music, and uh, it'll be a good time of fellowship, and we need you there. So please, if you can, come out and support that and be a part of our annual meeting for the Black Creek Association. November 11th, Impact Youth has a movie night, 6 to 9 o'clock. Don't forget to sign up for that. Forge Men's Breakfast on the 12th. And November 14th through the 21st, we have Operation Christmas Child Collection Week. And Miss Rhonda would love for you to be involved in that. She is sitting out here in the back hallway. If you're interested in volunteering your time during that week, the 14th to the 21st, she is out there, and she would love to talk to you and get you on the schedule. So if you're a guest and you're here with us today, as you can see, we have a lot going on here at Oakleaf, missional things, discipleship things. There's just a lot of things taking place. And if you're a guest, I want to thank you for being a part of our worship. Maybe you're watching us online. If you go to oakleafbaptist.org in the upper right-hand corner, there's a guest registration button. Click on that. Fill it out. Sends me an email. I'd love to communicate with you, and thank you for being a part of our worship here today. Or you can use the connection card right in front of you. Use that. Hand it in to me. I'll be at the back door and uh, would love to speak with you personally. Listen, you might be here today thinking, how do I connect with Pastor or how do I connect with you, Bill, uh, to, to ask you to pray for something or whatever. That connection card is a great way to say, hey, here's my name. Here's my phone number. I need to talk to you. Give me a call. And you can just hand it to me when you're out the door. We'll get either Pastor or I will get back to you and communicate with you and uh, find out how we can pray and minister to you and your family. So, listen, a lot going on. The Word of God is working. The Spirit of God is moving. And He wants to use you and your life to be part of that work. So listen, as we go out of this place this week, take Jesus where you go and let people see Him in you. And let's lead people to God. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank You for this day. Thank You for Your love and how You care about us. God, You are so good to us. Thank You for this beautiful fall weather, for this great facility. God, thank you for the opportunity and the privilege we have to vote as a country for our leadership. God, I pray that you'll help us to vote the word of God. And God, in all that we say and do this week as we go our way, I pray that you will help us to lead people to God, help our lives to reflect a believer in Jesus Christ and our words to impact people with eternity. And we pray all this in Jesus' precious name.